Hello and welcome to Calling All Detectives from otrgold.com. This episode will begin after a brief message from our sponsors. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Calling all detectives. Most fortune tellers dish out standard stuff. But I met one who seemed able to call the turn on death. That is the situation on this page from my casebook. The casebook of Jerry Browning, private detective. Believe me, Jerry Browning, private detective. There's no easy way to make a living. The house was a big, rambling structure set down in spacious grounds. It looked like any other prosperous home. Until the turbaned Indian admitted me. Enter, Saib. This humble dwelling is graced with your presence. He gestured me into a big room decorated with massive furniture and a huge wall mirror. Chandrock Nagil Bay rose, greeted me with dignity. Good evening, my son. Will you be seated? Thanks. I sat down at a small table. Chandrock sat opposite me, removed the cover from a crystal ball, stared into it. A moment later, he raised his eyes to me. What troubles you, Mr. Browning? That shook me up. I'd come prepared with a phony name and problem to trap a charlatan, but now... Okay, so you know who I am. Then you also ought to know why I'm here. Chandrock nodded sadly. Yes, my son. I do know. Arnold Lansden accuses me of having defrauded him of money. You're so right. Now what do we do? Chandrock frowned. It is of no consequence. My heart saddens for you, Mr. Barney, because the crystal says you... I'm about to die. When I tried to trap a fortune teller, he announced my impending death. I got up so fast I knocked over my chair. Is that a threat, Chandrock? Chandrock Nagil Bay spread his hands. I am an old man, Mr. Brading. What have you to fear from me? This Arnold Lansden, if he fears I have cheated him, I will return the money he priced upon me. But you, Mr. Browning... Death stands just behind you. I took a deep breath. You must have a fine system, Chandrock, to have identified me so fast. I picked up my hat. Can I tell Lansden that <clears throat> that you'll refund his $30,000? Of course. But please, while there is a little time, make your peace with eternity.
I thought about his system as I drove home. Thought about it so much that... I didn't notice the icy patch of road. My car skidded around completely out of control. Directly into the path of another car that somehow managed to stop. Hey! What's the matter with you? You're trying to die? No. I'm not. And thanks for a good start. The phone was running as I stepped into my apartment. Mr. Browning. That was merely your warning. Death will play with you twice more. And then... Good night, Mr. Browning. I didn't go right to bed. I sat up and thought some more. All that did was give me a headache. The next morning, I decided to walk to my office. I hadn't gone more than a couple of blocks when a brick came hurtling down from a rooftop. I dashed into the building, ran up the stairs to the roof, and found, I am so sorry. Ten thousand apologies. You are not hurt. No, I'm not. Where did that brick come from? A contractor pointed, and I saw a group of men repairing a chimney. Be more careful, mister. You might have killed somebody. I reached my office, sat down at my desk, waited for the telephone to ring. It didn't. So I called Chandrock. Okay, I have the second visit. When's the next? Don't be so impatient, Browning. You will die soon enough. I sat there for a long time. Then I made another call to my client, Arnold Lansden. Mr. Lansden, I'm still investigating that fortune teller, Chandrock. Well, no, sir, I don't know yet what, if anything, we can do about getting your money back. But I'll keep in touch with you. I took a cab back home, got my car out of the garage, and started for Chandrock's house. A blowout wrecked my right rear tire, but otherwise did no damage, because I was traveling about 20 miles an hour when it happened. I didn't bother examining the tire, I just put on the spare and kept going. He was wearing a different turban, but he was the same Indian... Enter, Saib. The master waits for you. Chandrak was sitting before the crystal ball. He looked up, smiled warmly. Come in, Browning. I've been watching your progress here. He tapped the crystal with a bony finger. The tire did not delay you long. All right, Chandrak. I'm licked. What must I do to stay alive? Chandrak smiled. You are wise, Browning. You intimated to Lausanne that you could not recover his money. My face didn't show any surprise. Does that satisfy you, Chandrock? Last night, perhaps. Today, no. You must tell Lausanne that you are convinced I am worthy of his further confidence. I shrugged helplessly. I'll try. I got into my car, drove straight back to my office, made another call to Lansden, told him exactly what I'd been instructed by Chandrock to say. Then I went downstairs to the boiler room, cut across an alley into the basement of the next building, reached the street where I took a cab to within three blocks of Chandrock's house. And he toured wide, got to the house from the rear. I forced the basement window, then crept upstairs. The Indian, without his turban, was working in the kitchen. I swung my blackjack. <coughs> I caught him as he fell, eased him to the floor. Poor guy. Maybe he never had a crystal ball. The kitchen led to another room. This room was the heart of the joint. Dozens of big filing cabinets on all walls. Rotary card index cases of photographs for rapid reference. And on the wall facing the door, a big window looking into the consultation room. 
I remembered seeing the other side of that window, which was a mirror. One-way glass. From this room, he could look out, but nobody could look in. I turned, and there was Chandrock behind me. Poor deluded soul. So you have elected death, after all. I swung my blackjack under his nose. Well, no. Not unless this blackjack happens to fracture your skull. Ali! Ali! No use, Chandrock. Ali's asleep. Go on. Pull a gun or something, so I have a legitimate excuse for bopping you. Huh? Oh, well. The charge, in case you're interested, is extortion, blackmail, intimidation, felonious assault with intent to kill, wiretapping, and... Maybe I'll think of more on the way to headquarters. Let's go. What's more, I made every charge against him stick. The skidding on ice was a real accident, but all the rest was planted. He had a dozen undercover stooges and shadows working for him. That's how good his little racket was. While it lasted. Like I said, if anybody could really foresee the future, he'd never need money from anybody. Not while there was even one racetrack in the country.